You are listening to the Enormo Cast. The Enormo Cast is proud to have La Sportiva as a sponsor. For nearly a decade now, La Sportiva mirrors have been my go-to shoe for sport, long routes, and I even sent my latest thin crack project using the wonderfully precise toe of these magic shoes. And though the Mira is the one shoe to rule them all, nowadays I round out the quiver with katanas and testerosas. The quality, the craftsmanship, and the performance of La Sportiva shoes is simply the best. In fact, I have literally taken new katanas from the box, smelled them, and then compulsively rubbed them on my face. It's really quite breathtaking. You should try it. And now, as if the legacy of the Mega, the Calculator, the Mythos, and the TC Pro was not legend enough, La Sportiva introduces the Genius, a high-performance shoe so advanced you might not feel worthy of its charms. But I assure you, my friend, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and, well, people will want to belay you in the Genius. So to luxuriate in Italian craftsmanship and to check out La Sportiva's full line Climbing shoes, mountaineering boots, approach shoes, and trail running shoes. Go to sportiva.com or your nearest climbing retailer. Oh, and don't let them catch you rubbing them on your face, because that's just messed up. Listen, uh, uh, where are playing in town? you playing here? We're doing the. Uh Enormo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, the big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it's it out. 20,000 seats. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having them with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And now, La Sportiva has joined the Enormo Nation as a premier sponsor. And of course, don't forget Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com, enter Enormo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee and to help out the Enormo cast. Please support all of our great sponsors and let them know that you love them. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma Cast. This is your host, Chris Galoos. It is... What is the date today? Is it only the 8th? No, that's not too bad. I'm a little late. I know. I've fallen behind again. What can I say? It is about 1 o'clock... Mountain Standard Time. This is episode 80, a conversation with Nina Caprez. Capritz. She said she didn't mind if I butchered her name. Anyway, Nina Caprez, Swiss climber, badass, ran into her in Spain, had a wonderful conversation. And that's coming up in just a minute. There has been a bunch of ups and downs here at the Normacast. Mostly ups. I'll get to those first. If you listened to the beginning of the show, didn't skip it. Well, if you skip that, you're probably skipping this too, so I'm not talking to you. But those of you who started from the beginning where you should start, then you know that I have a new sponsor. La Sportiva has come on board. I've been negotiating with those guys for a while. been really excited to get them involved in the show. Why? Well, because it's another product that I can wholeheartedly endorse. Because, as I've said, that if something happened where I could only use one shoe or someone forced me 
to only ever use one shoe again. Like you held me down and spit on my forehead like my brother used to do and said, you'd only let me up if I agreed to use a single shoe for the rest of my life or a single pair of shoes. I would certainly pick the Mira. No joke. And you know, I didn't start using those until about 2008. If I recall, I bought a pair at the mountain shop in Yosemite and uh, you know how that turned out. And thinking back, I remember way back in the day, going back in the day, I should have like a, you know, music that goes with the back in the day comments. Peabody here. You are just in time to join Sherman and me on another journey into history. What year shall I set the Wayback Machine for, Mr. Peabody? Well, Sherman, how about we just leave it set on back in the day? Because back in the day, the La Sportiva Mega was the hard man shoe de jour. Can I get a shout out for the Mega, those of you who remember, who were of an age, who are driving to work right now in your car, give a little honk for the Mega, right? The blue and pink Mega that's on everybody's feet in the late 80s, early 90s, all the photos. Well, I never had a pair of Megas because I never felt worthy of the Mega. Like it was, it was too much shoe for me. Like I should be climbing in something clunkier. And uh, I don't know why I never shed that image, but the Mega changed everything. The Kendo changed everything back then. Um, and finally, I got around to getting a pair of calculators, which I totally loved. I was pretty stoked on the calculator back in the day. I don't know how they'd hold up now, but good shoes is all I'm saying. Anyhow, I'm also excited because I know some folks working down at La Sportiva North America. Good company, good bunch of folks down there, and uh, I'm really psyched to be aligned and have those guys on board. So please, if you're looking to upgrade your shoes, get into something new, or if you already love Sportivas, please let them know. Go check them out. They really are great shoes. And in many ways, they're the kind of shoe you put on and forget about, and that's kind of what you want. All right. Bad stuff. Well. The website got hacked. I don't know how that stuff happens, but all of a sudden it wasn't working that well. And I kind of ignored it because I was like, well, I probably just screwed it up. And then Tobias Carrier at Rogue Easy Web, rogueeasyweb.com. I want to give a little shout out for him because he got in touch with me and said, hey, dude, your website's been hacked. And I said, what? How do you know that? And he knew. And sure enough, but he agreed to help me out almost pro bono to uh, to get it sorted out. Just uh, was hoping to get some swag. And in the end, I think he spent a hell of a lot more time on it than he had hoped. So I totally appreciate it. And uh, if you guys have any sort of web business, you could send him. Again, Rogue Easy Web out of Bend, Oregon. I'm sure he can do anything all over the country though. So check that out. I totally appreciate his help with the website. And while we're talking about volunteer help, which I get a lot of volunteer help, or at least I get a lot of offers. I don't always take people up on it, but it's super nice that people want to uh, kind of trade their services for all the joy and love they get from the Enormacast. But uh, Andy Edwards uh, designed a new sticker for us, and uh, those are available now. I'll post them up on the Facebook page and probably on Instagram. And he's got his own sort of uh, freelance design company that you can reach at andrewedwardsdesign.com. And uh, he also just kind of, actually, he made the sticker and then got in touch with me, or at least made the image. And uh, it's a really cool image. You guys are going to dig it. So remember that you can get free stickers from me, the new sticker, the old oval sticker, which I have a few left. I'm probably going to order some more. And of course, the continuous style stickers. Um, just send me an address to chris at enormacast.com. And I must remind you that if a few weeks and months go by and nothing happens, well, 
don't be afraid to bug me about it. I have no problem with another quick email to say, hey, dude, forgot your stickers. Last thing I'll say is I'm just going to give you a little hint. Once again, I'm bringing the entourage up to the Lander Climbing Festival, the International Climbing Festival in Lander, July 8th through the 12th. Awesome, fun festival. This will be my fourth or fifth year heading up there just as a climber because I got a bunch of friends up there. But uh, yeah, check it out. Start making your plans now. The International Climbers Festival at climbersfest.org is where you get the information. And I'll keep talking about it on the show. Okay, lots of stuff on the intro. Bear with me. I'm almost there. I just want to preview a couple things about the interview with Nina Caprez. This is a big deal. I got introduced to Nina in Spain by our friend James Lucas. And uh, ended up hanging out with her a little bit getting to know her a little bit, and uh, she very quickly and very graciously offered to sit down for the EnormaCast, and we had a lot of fun. It was a great interview. Uh, She's a really interesting climber, has a lot of amazing values that she brings to climbing, and I don't want to embarrass her. Nina, if you're listening, I apologize, but I'm going to do one quick translation. As with most modern Europeans, her English is excellent, but she keeps using a word in the interview, valors. Her mouth almost gets around at one time, but what she's really saying is values. And that's pretty easy to figure out, but I wanted to preview that because it's her values. It's the things that she brings to climbing that she values that makes her pretty interesting and sets her apart from a lot of modern climbers. But it's also interesting because she brings a lot of valor to the sport as well. So that's just a little bit of a translation as you go into my interview with the former Swiss princess, Nina Caprez. At Black Diamond, the process of building gear begins and ends with climbing. A need drives an idea, and that idea is tweaked, tested, and refined in a never-ending cycle. Use, design, engineer, build, repeat. Guided by this philosophy, Black Diamond has been making equipment for the full spectrum of climbing pursuits for more than 25 years. From the boulders to the big walls and everything in between, Black Diamond makes gear and apparel you can trust when it matters. Visit BlackDiamondEquipment.com to check out the latest all-new gear, as well as a fine-tuned collection of apparel, and get the latest stories, photos, and videos on their blog, Black Diamond Experience. I was sweating during the night. I think my body was just like <sighs> empty, exhausted. Such so a swig up. I had a nice shower, and then I had like three or four cups of coffee, actually. And then I slowly started to feel better. And now I'm still like okay, but it feels like a good rest day, like a perfect rest day. Like I can't even imagine to go climbing, you know. Okay, um, I think we're good, actually. Okay. Your table's moving, you know? I know. <laughs> so Nina Caprez or Caprez? Yeah. Caprez with the Z? It doesn't matter. Nina Caprez. Caprez. <laughs> okay. Cool. And you don't mind when English speakers... No, it's like Nina it Caprez or okay. whatever. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Um, I am sitting in the van still in Spain and uh, beside the lovely... Uh, Katana. Yeah, Patana. Uh, the reservoir here in Sirana still, and I've, I've actually lured a European into the van 
which has been different because up to this point I've been like interviewing Americans here and a Canadian here in Spain. So I still haven't found a Spanish climber to interview because of the English issue. It's a little bit of a problem. But you, on the other hand, Nina, speak English perfectly. How's it going? Well, I'm learning every day. I'm learning. I'm learning some cool like expressions in English. For example, like, let's talk about the elephant in the room or just something like this. Did you this. just learn that phrase? Yeah. Is that why you said it the other night like six different times? Exactly. Like, you're practicing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm sharing a flat room with uh, three Americans. So they teach me a lot uh -huh. about really important things in the, in the English language. Yeah. Like, well, like the elephant in the room. Yeah, and I was there the other night. Um, you learned a whole bunch of other phrases that we won't talk about here <laughs> on the podcast because you're a lady. Um, anyway, but thanks a lot for sitting down. We, we talked a little bit, sort of getting ready for this thing, about how there is this huge gap between American climbing culture and European climbing culture in, in terms of like knowing who's who in like the scene in Europe versus who's who in the scene in in the U.S. and of course there's several climbers who cross over and you know we have Chris Sharma who's famous in both continents for us um, and several other people that Europeans that are famous in both continents but um, I'm really excited to have you on because you have sort of a reputation here in, in Europe as a really good climber and um, has have made some really cool videos and such but I don't think you have a really widely known name in the United States. So, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, what's your opinion of that in terms of the cultures and the crossover? Well, I think when you're in a country which has a culture of climbing or just like a history of climbing and you go and climb some really cool stuff there, like climbing history, then everybody knows you. For example, I definitely felt in love with friends and I climbed a lot of really like hardcore uh, old like classic ones in Gorgia Verdo or Seuss or Bukes or whatever. So it makes that people, they know you and they start to have probably a little bit of respect of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I haven't been like really or a lot in America. So it's just that I definitely want to go to Smith Rock this October. So probably if you're just once you're in the country and you climb some classic, then people start, ah, okay, she's not just like a, how do you say, like a fake sure. climber. She's right. like, she's a real climber. So that's cool. Yeah. So actually, that's cool that you said that. It seems to be important to you, like that historical perspective, um, climbing some of these classic routes and this idea of being a little bit more of an all-around mm -hmm. climber and therefore getting sort of the respect of, of maybe some of your mentors and sort of your heroes. What's your sort of perspective on, on that philosophy? To be honest, I think climbing goes more and more into really two different directions or probably three, I don't know. Like, I can define myself as a purist, as a pure rock climber, I think. Then you have like competitors and like a lot of this new like gym generation, which is also really cool. Which are... And then you have probably more like the media pushing climbers, kind of sort of climbers but like photo catalog climbers, kind of this one. So all three like disciplines or categories, we need them to, to push the sport, to, to make something real with the sport. And it's just, I'm like, I like to play 
or not to play actually I just like to be how I am and I like to to give like my nature to share my nature to share my valors and yeah I'm just proud to be a real rock climber pure rock climber when you sort of again earlier or yesterday or a couple of days ago whenever you started explaining to me why you had chosen in this case here in Sirana to try to do this route called Reina Mora mm-hmm. um, which is hard HC plus 9A something like that um, and, and you've been actually attempting to climb it for a couple of years but what was interesting to me is the way you kind of explained mm-hmm. why you chose this line and I think it said a lot about your philosophy could you sort of talk about that again mm-hmm. Well, I climbed here a little bit in Tirana one year ago, and I was just in front of this line, Lorena Mora, and I think it was just a wow effect. I mean, I like pure lines. This can be like tufa lines or like crags or just like logical, natural lines that nature offers to us. So Lorena Mora is just like pure it's it's follows the systems of this kind of crack climbing and it's just a late a line I like a thirty five meters straight up line to just pure and well, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I climbed a little bit in it last year and there was just like no way. I mean it was way too hard, but I just I was so psyched. I mean I was so psyched. The climbing is so untypical, so bizarre, so also in a way so frustrating because uh in the, the sectoral party there's a lot of about conditions and finding the right moment and whatever. But it's just, it was like love, you know. And for me, it's like, I mean, for example, I really love the Gorgio Ferdom. This is really a magical place for me. But if not, I love to follow the lines. When I found the line, I just want to climb the line. And it doesn't matter if it is in Sirana or whatever. It's just, I'm here for this line. Right. So, yeah, for sure, I came back this year and I just, I mean, the the process of the progressing and about uh, all what Lorena Mora learned to me is just, wow, she's just teaching me so, so much about just going through all these moments and all this, yeah, just this crazy, like, border experience. And that's great. Mm-hmm. And she's teaching me. How's it coming? <laughs> the teaching? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is she being friendly or is she... No, she <laughs> definitely not. No, no. Is she punishing you a yeah, little bit? Yeah. Awesome. She's this kind of hardcore teacher, you know. No no friend of us. Just like, yeah. Well, it's it's actually cool <laughs> that the name comes from a legend or... I don't, I don't think it's complete history, but it's a legend that here mm-hmm. in Sirana, uh, there was a fortress up where the camping and, and whatnot is. And when the... The Moors were here, and the Christians came back to conquer, uh, conquer the land. When the Queen saw the Christians in the valley, knowing that what was going to happen to her if they captured her, yeah. uh, she either rode her horse off the cliff, or, or her they... horse <laughs> yeah. stopped and bucked her off the cliff when she tried to ride it off the cliff. Either way, she flew off the cliff. Yeah, it's just and, historical. Well, so. for me, it's like this. This route is like really also like a. It's part of my own history because. Well, you know, I'm a little Swiss girl, so all what I did before was kind of easy and was kind of, you know, I'm just always super motivated and I climbed like really cool stuff, but it was always like in, um, I always felt like a little princess. And now I start to be at the moment where I want to, I will be a queen, you know, 
I want to do the step where you just open your mind and you just you're ready to lose all control. You're ready to push yourself so hard that you can't even explain or you can't find an answer or an explanation for this. And this is like Lorena Mora learns me that. All what I did before was kind of under control. I mean, I'm kind of a good climber. I have a good technique, I have power. So everything was kind, kind of easy. And Lorena Mora is just, fuck, no. But it doesn't, like, the coolest thing with Lorena Mora is it's a dream line for me. For for me, actually, I don't really care when the moment will arrive when I will climb this thing. It's just all the progression or all what she's teaching me, it helps me for like other routes. For example, the last year was the first time I really attacked this kind of a hardcore route. And then like the, the year after was just I was ready. I mean, I was ready and I climbed. Wow, so many cool and hard lines it was just my mind was my mind was open now and this was new and i mean now i'm still there and even if rena mora took a lot of time she's just helping me to go to the next level into another world into another step and just to be like crazy <laughs> right on. well it's fun it, it's it's fun it's like the the name the name of it helps us personify this yeah. thing it, it's yeah. fun to talk about yeah. uh because it, it is this she it is this you know, yeah, this, almost she like is, this person or entity. Yeah, she is like, like she has power and she she is the director. And I think the day I will climb it, I don't know what happens then, but it will be a, like a big step in my life and a big chapter will just end somehow. But I think if you're like a real rock, rock climber and you really love climbing and you love these routes you're trying, it doesn't really matter when, I mean... The route, you will climb the route when the time is there. So I don't feel like stressed or like, I don't know, freaked out or whatever. It's just every time I'm in, she learns me something and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me go back. You know, you, you, you just mentioned sort of you were the Swiss princess or whatnot. <laughs> um, can we talk about your upbringing in terms of climbing? And, and because, again, you know, cultural differences for me are always really interesting. So mm-hmm. what was it like? Were you introduced to climbing very early? Um, and were you living in the mountains? Was it that kind of upbringing? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the valley in Switzerland. And uh, I started to do some hikes in the mountains with my parents, sister, brother, whatever. And then I think when I was 13 years old, I entered into like the youth group of like just a club Alpine Swiss, Swiss Alpine Club, sorry. And uh, then they introduced me into mountaineering, ski touring, kind of climbing, multi-pitch climbing. And my first steps in climbing were in the Raticon. So like the base of climbing for me was going up, going up to the summit, taking whatever you can like quick draws like you know just the way up but it wasn't like pure not at all it's just just mountaineering you know and then slowly i started to be introduced into sport climbing and when i was 17 years old i think i i did like my first red point ascent on a 7a plus or whatever it's just i learned all these expressions about on-site climbing red point or whatever i remember when i did my first 7c it was in a cliff uh, called foropsy i came down and uh, i talked to my friend and i was like yeah i did uh i did this route on site on my third attempt and he was like no nina 
not possible, you know. I had no idea about expression. I mean, okay. it took me like free time. But you, you were like, yeah, yeah, outside yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> just throwing words out like, okay, th this works. Yeah. Right. So actually, after that, I had a little bit like a hard time with myself because um, I was introduced into sport climbing and all these like edit competitions, but I started really early. So I was always kind of angry, like, fuck. I mean, today everyone starts by the age of 10, whatever, in gyms, and they're so strong and whatever, whatever. And today I'm so happy about my about my history, about the valor, values, and about just fuck. I start to climb in reticum. That's red, you know. Yeah, That's totally. So cool. So you're saying that in the moment you felt like, oh, I blew it. I should have been, I should have been climbing earlier, and I would be stronger. Sure. But now, yeah, you're ha you're completely happy with this. Yeah, especially when you know it, when you do like competitions. I did some, I started like when I was 19, 20 with some European Cups and World Cups. And then the difference between people, they was just huge because they have 10 years more of experience. So, yeah, sure, you're not like, you don't have all those experiences. But then when I stopped competitions and I went back to like really rock climbing and then I started to do some multi-pitch climbing, then you can profit from your like, your real how do you say, uh, when a tree goes into them? Your roots. Roots, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. These were my roots. Your foundation and, I, and your exactly. roots. Exactly. Yeah. And I just have to listen to myself and say, okay, Nina, what are you? Are you a competitor? Are you like a rock climber? Are you multi-pitch climber or whatever? And it's just, yeah, it was logical because competition was fun, but it wasn't like my way. So you're, you're sort of in love with climbing did you have to serve in the military? Does everybody have to do that in no. Switzerland? No. no, it's just for, for men. Okay. They have to go there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, some countries it's everybody, it, yeah. it seems like. So So what did that look like um, once you finished school and were, were kind of deciding, okay, I found myself, this is rock climbing, this is what I want to do. You know, mm. was it typical of like hitting the road in a van kind of thing hmm. or, or what did that look no, like no actually when i finished school by the age of 19 i met a crazy swiss french guy cedric and uh he was just like yeah i mean i mean you can start studying whatever or i can show you like the real life and i was like oh, okay i'll go for the real life and then i started to do like i just started to take my life in my own hands you know just like figuring out how much I have to work, what kind of work I have to do to earn a lot of money, or not a lot of money, just enough money to go climbing. So I was like working in like some gyms as a root setter and a bar, you know, just all these kind of little works you do. And then you're free and you go climbing and you're just in your car and you're sleeping outside and you're cooking pasta outside. It's just, I realized that for being like a really happy person, you don't lead a lot. Mm -hmm. You just have to... For me, the valor, the most important valors in life are just the sharing, to feel love from other persons and to give love to other person and to feel these vibes in the air that you're doing a thing and it's just you're psyched about it and other persons are also psyched about it. You know, that gives me a sense of my life. I think I could never become like... Like... Uh, I don't know, an egoist climber or whatever, just, you know, doing my hard roots for me. Right. And I'm searching for a belayer, you know, this right. is definitely not my thing. Right. You so, want to spend time with friends and 
than, yeah, and be definitely. supported in a, in more than just having a belay or belay. Oh, beneath yes. You. And I love to give also a lot of energy to other person, a lot of love to other person. And it's just for me, this like, this sharing is, it's all about, and we don't care about money, you know. Today, everyone wants to make like more money. Also, you know, in this, all this circle with the sponsorship and whatever, you always want to make more money with the sponsors, tak 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 tak, and you're said, "Fuck, why you can just be climber and be real realistic and make the calculus about okay, how much money I need to live, and actually how much money I also wanna earn with my sponsors, and how much money will I earn beside that to be kind of free, you know, mm -hmm. feel free, mm -hmm. because if you have like sponsor contra i don't know which are not like huge you can feel like i do this right now with lorena mora i mean it's just a personal thing i don't care if i climb it this year or next year but if you would have like a sponsor who's spending a lot of money in this trip and makes me like a lot of pressure and say hey nina you have to climb it then it will be start to be really hard you sure. know I feel free. I mean, if I need money, I will earn my money differently than mm -hmm. with a sponsor. You sure. Know? Yeah, get a job for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, in climbing, there's no money. We just have to be yeah. realistic. I right. mean, it's a sport. It isn't like football or whatever. So why we want to make like, I don't know, thousands of money with us, with a... In a, I don't know, in a sport where there's no money, you know? You just have to... <laughs> it's, it's not... Yeah. No, I, you have to be like stupid, yeah. you know. Every time I think about the Enormacast business plan, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm really trying to squeeze. Yeah. As we say, another phrase for you: blood from the stone. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, yeah. if you have a little bit the overview about how much money circles into like climbing sport brands, companies, whatever, compared to tennis, football, whatever, then you just have to say, okay. This I could earn, or this is like possible, and then for the rest, if you wanna be rich or whatever, you don't have to try to make this money in climbing. Right, Just right. do other things. Let me um, ask you a little bit about the Radicon, mm -hmm. and uh, this is hmm. you know when you talk about your roots and your foundation, and, and maybe looking back and, and thinking yourself lucky. I think being there has to be part of that. So tell me about that place. It's, I think a certain le level or a certain type of climber in the U.S. that pays attention to the big venues here in Europe knows about the Radicon, but I mm. think most people don't. Um, so tell me a little bit about that place and hmm. where it fits into your roots. Well, the Radicon, every time I take like a, another person with me in the Radicon, they feel like in a TV like or in a film, you know, because it's this typical Swiss landscape like you feel like Heidi in the Alps you know <laughs> everything's green there are cows everywhere they're like it's just the smell is like how you imagine the smell of being in the mountains or at the Alps you know and then it's just the best limestone ever you can find in Europe you know so climbing there is always scary is always demands you a lot like especially like the first pitches you know so um just to sort of again put a perspective on it we have a tendency in the u.s to think of you know if there's bolts 
it's a sport climb. Mm -hmm. But the Radicon has a reputation for, while the pitches are bolted often for the most part, they mm -hmm. aren't by any means sport climbs. Or no. a lot of them aren't. Yeah. I mean, very run out, very long distances between bolts. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about in terms of like, yeah. you, you're up there not only in this venue that's intimidating, but then you have to really climb. You have to climb. Definitely. You have to climb. And I mean, you sometimes you can put on some protections like friends or not so whatever. But I mean, it's limestone. It's not granite. So often you just put on a protection and you know that it will not like stay there and often you yeah. climb up your protection and the protection is moving and it's just like brrr, falling on down on the rope and you're like fuck okay just go on go on well we yeah when you put in a piece in in or in the states when you put in a piece you know is terrible it's called psychological projection yeah exactly you can look exactly. down and, and see that your rope is in something yeah and that yeah. helps you yeah sort yeah. of so to speak yeah. so so yeah, rule number one in Retican is often like 80% don't fall. And this is a valor which is still important for me today. Just to be considerate about, okay, when it's really allowed to fall and when it's not, you know. Uh, learning about putting on some pitones and just all this stuff, working with slings, you know. And then it's just red. I mean... It's really another planet to be in the Radicon, to climb there. It's kind of a fla flat climbing, vertical climbing, super technique. There it rains a lot, so you can't really, you have no jog on the wall, so you have to follow the footsteps, you know, if to, to see where it's a little bit black. And, you know, it's just a lot about following an instinct to to go into the line or to be in the line and sometimes you're definitely out of line and then you 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 want to die whatever right. you <laughs> <laughs> and also like a friend of mine he asked me like recently the question when i was the most like scared in my life and it, it was in a route in the radicon yeah because i wanted to impressive a boy there and i was just leading like i don't know an eight minus pitch <laughs> and my whole body was just struggling and I really had the impression I want to die I will die you know to impress a boy that's yeah. classic yeah. I love Fuck. it yeah <laughs> and in the red gun if you I mean strong that's really climb, stupid it is because I don't think he needed to climb that to impress the boy and you know boys, boys yeah, don't need impressing no. and actually he was like on, on a belay he wasn't even able to see me or whatever okay. so it was just like fuck and I mean, strong or not, everyone who goes to the Reticon will pass through all these steps, you know, sure. all these right. lights. You have to. Yeah. You have to. It's just part of, part of the game. So the first time I found out who you were or whatever was with the film, and I'm, I'm not going to butcher the name of the climb again. Silver Geyer. <laughs> Silver Geyer. I've spent the last two or three years not pronouncing it like that, so I'm going to try to get it right. Um, and that's that's an iconic route in the mm. Radicon. Mm. And um, tell me a little bit about that. And I'll link the film uh, on this post because maybe a lot of folks haven't seen it. It's it's really funny. It's uh, really inspiring. And I don't know who directed it, but, you know, they had a lot of fun with yeah. you guys up there. So, But also, it's, it's a really intimidating climb. And the one thing I really liked, I think you mentioned sort of having a poster or a picture of this route mm. and 
and dreaming of doing this route. Mm. And um, that really is like an archetype of a lot of climbers I know who either had posters or looked in the magazines and just kept saying, I'm going to climb that someday, I'm going to climb that someday. Mm. So can you talk a little bit about that climb? And that process of, of, of doing this route in mm. uh, the mm. Radicon, because it sounded like a crowning achievement for you in terms of what you just yeah. said, like the steps you have to make there, because yeah. you can't skip yeah. no. to this route. No. Well, actually, you know, when you grew up in Switzerland, especially in the Pretigau and the little valley where I grew up, when you hear from people like Beat Kammerlander or Martin Scheel or Peter Schäffler, it's just like they were heroes. I mean, real heroes. You have, like, I started climbing really lately, but you know that there were crazy guys and they did crazy things. And, yeah, it's just mythical. Sure. So, Silbergeier has always, like, I told you, like, this boy I wanted to imp impress, like, in this first route, that, one of the first route I did. He always, his dream has always been, like, by the age of 24, no, 25, actually, um... I will be at the top of my climbing form and then I will try to, well, I will climb the Sabergeier. And I really loved him. And I was like, wow, I want to do the same, you know. <laughs> so I had like no idea what does it mean to climb in the Sabergeier. And I think it was almost like seven years ago. Just one day I woke up with a friend of mine. I said, hey, come on, let's try the Sabergeier. So we went there like seven years ago for the first time. And there was no way i mean no way it took me more than two hours to go to the first belly and i just yeah i realized that oh fuck nina you're just burning some steps how many how many uh pitches is it it's six pitches okay yeah kind of short right yeah. so two hours to try to do the first pitch yeah yeah and then actually life was just like rolling you know after this, I started seriously to do some multi-pitch climbing, like hard ones, but like step-by-step. Step. So I started to do some really cool ones at the Gorge of Verdun. And then, you know, like some Hotel Supramonte in Sardinia. And, you know, just all these classics, they have a sport character. That means they're bolted. And they, like the climbing is like mostly like super nice you know like kind of overhanging too far climbing so it isn't really like scared or whatever or super how do you say difficulty in terms of technique or whatever and after all this those experience i made i don't know at the around christmas i just well was thinking about what i want to do next year and i was like now i want to climb silver it was just like it was time and this feeling feels great because having a dream in mind is always like, a, you know, an exciting feeling. Having posters at home, you know, staring at this poster like, wow, I want to be there, whatever. It's just like, a, it's a cool. But then the big deal is really to be there, like at the foot of the wall, looking up to the root and say, okay, let's start. And this was a big step. And I was, I was ready. I was just excited. And the whole progression on the route then was just an excitement. I can't even explain. I was just like in another world. I was on my little cloud. I was like a little Swiss Heidi girl. I was, it was just a perfect time, you know. Mm. And it felt so naturally. And it was the good route, the good time. I was ready. What's the, what's the history of this route a little bit and the character of it? 
Well, actually, a good friend of mine, Martin Shale, he started to build it from the ground. And after, I think, five bolts, he had to give up because the, the level was just too high. In the reticon, you also have to know that there's an etic for bolting routes. So that means you always start from the ground. You have to climb till you can put a hook on or whatever, and then you can bolt the route. So that means there will never be a bolt, and then you, you're like bolting, how do you say to the next bolt. That sure. means you right. will never find like uh, bolts in the distance of a meter or a meter sure, and a half. Sure. So, that means that the right. obligation is you've bolted a bolt, then you have to climb away from this bolt till the next point you, where you can put on a hook. Right. And that means when you have like flat climbing, there's no structure. So you just climb, you just mm -hmm. climb and climb and climb till you have a next like I don't know crimp or whatever and then you could put on a hook and bolt the bolt sure. yeah. so that means that often in like this yeah super well, flats there's like no bolt <laughs> well the thing too about this style because it's it's something you know it's sport climbing is dominated and sport climbing is usually wrap bolted and 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 the bolts are in the perfect position to protect the hard moves usually mm -hmm. and the thing mm -hmm. about ground up bolting is that most of the time you can't stop in the hard climbing to yeah. place a bolt. So yeah. the bolt is before or well after the cruxes. In exactly. sport climbing, you're used to clipping the bolt, doing the crux right there. Yeah. In ground up climbing, you know, whether it's on granite or whether it's, you know, I always remember in, in, in suicide and Takits in, in California, old, you know, place for ground up climbing and whatnot that you, you know, you'd almost always do like a mantle you know, 10 mm -hmm. feet or 20 feet out from the bolt, stand up on the ledge, then you get to clip the bolt. Sure. Never beforehand. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like yeah. looking at a bolt a few feet away and you're yeah. just terrified yeah. and, and then you get to clip it once everything's mm. easy again. So. And I mean, me, I grew up there, so I'm, I know the etic, I know the history and also the valors in the reticon. So for me, for example, there was no way to rappel down in the route. Sure. I mean, for me, it's always part of the game to start from the ground and to search your literary and just like, I mean, when I tried the Silbergeier, it hasn't been climbed for a while. So I put in all the quick draws and fuck, I did like the biggest fights ever to put in some quick draws, you know, and I did this crazy huge falls like so... I mean, it took, I was with Cedric, and it took us two full days to reach the top of even pitch five. We weren't able to go to the top in two days. So that means that it's part of the effort. And then once I climbed it, everyone was just like super psyched. Was, oh, if a girl climbs a route, it can be so hard. <laughs> yeah, right. So, actually, so that's no uh, different <laughs> in Switzerland than it is no. here. Okay. So actually, after my send, well, for sure, then I put on, like, there's magnesium and there are some quick draws, some slings, whatever. So it is easy, actually. But it's just after that, it was a not route. I mean, some days there were, like, three pairs of, of like, three pairs of climbers, mm -hmm. like, were in, you know, that's crazy. Well, that's crazy, but in a way, it's also really cool. I have the impression that with the climbs I did, with the photos I took after or videos or whatever, I'm motivating a lot of people to go and to try. And I mean, it's just, the big step is always just to try. I mean, in mm -hmm. the end, if it's too hard or not, I mean, who cares? But it makes you feel really good when you're 
you're there. I mean, you know, the first time when I reached this famous no hand rest, like on my poster, I felt like, wow, my God, Nina, you're here. You're in the same position as the guy in your poster at home. It was just like this incredible feeling. And actually, when I did the, the red point of the, of the route, it was also like a really, like a cold day. It was snowing and whatever. And it just felt in my world. And every single pitch felt easy as a, as a 7A, you know, like incredible. And while I did the second pitch and I arrived to the no hand rest, I was just looking down to my partner and I was like, hey, I think it should be possible to turn around on this footstep and laying on the wall. You know, I just want to try. And I mean, I wasn't in a rope. I was still climbing. Mm -hmm. I just tried it and it was possible. And then I turned back around and I continued my climb and I did the whole route at this day. You know, just to explain how how easy everything felt, how how present the idea was about climbing is just a game, you know. Yeah, and it was great. For this reason, I think, I mean, it's definitely not like the hardest route in the world or whatever. It was just for me, it was an important, really important. It was part of my own history. And like I told you, for me, Silbergeier was a game. Climbing should be a game. And this was the reason why we did a film. And actually, the editor, Vladimir Selier, felt this like, like this légèreté, like this feeling about climbing should be mm -hmm. just fun and right. he made us a film which is 100% in the spirit I climbed this route it's it is a great fun film you guys goof around there's all sorts of editing that makes it you know like yeah. you're talking to a cow and yeah. all these sorts of things so which is why I was hoping you would talk to me because I figured I rated at least as high as mm. a cow so although pretty nice cows in, in the <laughs> there are a lot yeah <laughs> nice looking cows. Um, well, that's awesome. So, I mean, there's sort of this theme, I think, you know, that you have these dream climbs mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. in each time, I, you know, do you often reflect on what you learn from each one and, and build on that for other, other climbing? Yeah. And also, yeah, it's not only about the learning. It's also my ethic is a little bit when I do climbs, in which I really felt in love or where in I really feel a big power in the air, I want to share this not only with photos, then with a film. So this is a little bit more the way I choose when I will produce a film and, yeah, and for sure in, in what route. So mm -hmm. for me, like today, the production of like films and short films and about that, da, 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 it's just, it's not really my style. Okay. I don't like it too much. You know. So w w what you're saying is like the idea that almost everything you do maybe gets filmed or, or w with I, a lot of climbers, yeah. like it's constant. Like, yeah. You know. I don't like this idea, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, climbing for us, it's like for me, it's like a daily thing. You know, I'm climbing a lot in my life. So it's kind of sometimes it's just like routine and sometimes you're just climbing hard and sometimes you climb easy or whatever. But if you really choose or you are affected by a line, you just want to tell more about and you want to go deeper. And with pictures already, you can do a lot of things. But then if you do like a film, it's just different. You know, today it's so easy to take a camera and to film and to make some little films. And it's also really cool just to watch like hard climbing or not or whatever, just to watch films that don't have really a sense, you know. Sure. <laughs> just to be like to get inspired 
probably inspired or just motivated or you, wow, he's strong or whatever. But me, I really, yeah, like climbing teaches me a lot. Those dream lines, they're teaching me a lot. So I want to talk more about this. I'm a professional climber because we are strong. So I don't have to show like every day that you were climbing strong, you know? <laughs> no, it's just... Yeah. This is why you're here, you know? Right, right. We already know you're strong, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't just, have to prove it to us every single yeah, day. Yeah, it's just... Right. Yeah, you don't... I mean... So you're, you're here in Sirana. Uh, you probably don't want to tip your hand too much about what your sort of future goals are. But... Uh, in just more in terms of, you know, you mentioned what uh, Reina Mora is teaching you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned having a good year mm -hmm. because of the lessons that, that you got from that. So, I mean, where do you sort of see your next few years going in terms of um, are you back interested in big routes? Are you, hmm. are you interested in these short, hard climbs? What, what kind of motivations do you see coming down the line? Well, right now I have like two motivations. They're completely different. Uh, just to tell you, like, my pure goals are always, like, like multi-bitch climbs, mm -hmm. always. Like, sport climbing for me is kind of sort of training or whatever, but then my real satisfaction, I got into multi-bitch climbing. I mean, the most beautiful feeling in the world for me is just to hang on a little seat in the middle of a wall, you know? This is just, I'm looking for that. So... I was sure, sure, I will climb something um, this spring, actually, with Jonathan. Like, if the weather is good and whatever, we'll do some multi-pitch climbing in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And actually, I will go back to summer a little bit because I have to be there. A little bit family history, so I'll climb in the Radicon. Okay. There's still one route, like the most hardest and horrible route ever I tried. It's like a 7B plus flat route. Okay. I think it's... It's one of the hardest things I've ever tried. And I mean, it's 70 plus, you imagine? Right. It's just... Yeah, and that's in, in the U.S. at 7C or 12C, yeah. which, you know, when you think about people who climb, you know, like on Lorena Morris, 8C plus, you know, which is, I think, or 14D yeah. or 14C, something yeah. in there. So, I mean, that, that's really cool because just, that speaks to what you're dealing with in the Radicom yeah. where your these yeah. roots are not... Commercial <laughs> undergraded, <laughs> no. and I—I I mean, I, I would assume it's—it's it's probably one of Bayot's roots. Is that? Uh, no, it's uh, from his friend Martin okay, Shane. Right, and right, root is yeah. called Hannibal's Altram. Okay. Altram. That means Hannibal's nightmare. Okay. So the name explains a little bit that Hannibal also can have nightmares sure. in his root. So right. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, it's just like I told you. This is like one valor. I. I really love multi-pitch climbing, mm -hmm. so for sure I will climb something. But I also feel really free in my shoes about when the weather's good, when I find the right partner, then the moment will be right, you know. So Thanks. the second thing I learn, especially here in Spain, is where I don't want to go through, what I don't want to become, you know, what person I don't want to be. For example, if all this, like, social media and all this, like, media stuff and all these like short time things in video and whatever, I don't, don't want to become an athlete like this. I want to go exactly into the opposite. I, I will go back to like the true valor, like the pure valor of mind in climbing. I want to produce films, probably just one every, I don't know, two years, three years. Who cares? But film, they 
teaches you something. They makes you laughing. They makes you like just struggling in a way. That's my. These are my valors. And I mean, today the pressure with the social media and all this stuff is kind of high today. So I definitely don't want to go into this direction. So you know. You, so you see, like maybe a a, a a niche or a place for your style, uh, because you know, opposing maybe this like kind of fast, yeah. every minute gets yeah. documented. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a little bit of an, of an older style. Mm -hmm, uh, exactly. I mean, remember the time when climbing videos were still on like tapes, you know, mm -hmm. you have to buy tapes and you're looking at the pace. Wow, that's great, no? It's yeah. just another feeling, yeah, you know? Yeah, well, it's funny because, I mean, you're talking about my era of the earliest videos, uh, you know, the the Masters of Stone videos. Yeah. And, and we yeah. were talking the other night even into, like, dosage where these exactly. things you anticipated and came yeah. out and then memorized. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, the real thing is a, a film that I memorized a bunch of lines from that I still spout today, mm. you know. Um, we're just the information today. We're just overloaded. And, mm -hmm. I mean, everyone is climbing hard. And... If every climber is like publishing every time when he did an A day, you're just lost in like, you just feel lost with grades and what actually is hard or not, especially if you're a non-climber. But if you're just like communicating about real true valors, then you don't have to mention it that it's super hard. People, they just know that you're an athlete, professional climber. So whatever it is when you try it it has to be fucking hard but it, you have to say it you know <laughs> but let's talk about a little bit the true valors in life in climbing whatever what why do i climb it because it teaches me a lot it gives me a lot in life i don't climb to prove something to other people or to prove myself or i will be uh, whatever it's just i do it for me mm -hmm. you know and i think today i will lose these valors I will do other things, right. but till now it's still here and still super present and it's more present than ever because I see such a lot of climbers around me, they're stressing, they have pressure, they have to send something, they, they, there's a lot of money in it and they have to publish and you're like, holy moly, right, I don't right, want right. to be like this. Right. Yeah. Well, one last um, kind of tact uh, and question that I have for you, you know, you, you just mentioned about trying to find this one sort of special place mm -hmm. or maybe going in a little bit of a different direction. Mm -hmm. uh, before we started this, we talked a little bit about having more sort of women's narratives in, mm -hmm. in climbing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's sort of an important place for you or do you just want to be a climber? Or is there something specific about the message that you have? Mm -hmm. You know, the narrative in climbing for 50 years or more has been sort of a men's narrative and, and more and more we have these voices of women. Do you think your voice is different or does it just fit into to you as a climber? I think basically if you're like a pure climber, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. But um, the real question is, is in climbing, if I will become as strong as a boy or if I want to stay a girl. This is like a little bit an essential question for me. All the people that are always super impressed, impressed that I'm climbing like in the same routes as 
boys or doing whatever first female sense or whatever but for me it's important to stay a woman um i just it it doesn't always like easy like this to accept this but i'm just a girl and i want to stay a girl i don't want to transform my body into a man body or my goal isn't to climb as such as hard as a boy i just want to i have my lines i want to climb these lines i mean and then if another boy is also climbing in that's cool because he can teach me a lot and i also can teach him a lot about the different climbing style we have so actually i would love that we stop to compare about boys and girls all the time i would love that we women they just start to be proud to be a woman to be proud of the beautiful body we have and to play with our body i mean we have crazy possibilities that men's they don't have and it's just because uh, naturally physically we have less power yes that's the nature we just have to accept it but then we can push harder on other points that we are definitely stronger mm-hmm. than boys so we should just realize these valors and working on it and be proud yeah being proud about having a beautiful body and i don't want to try to be a boy right no <laughs> <laughs> um is there any advice you can give anybody um about you know you talked about climbing in the radicon and, and overcoming fears like is that something you feel like is maybe a natural ability or, yeah. or do you work with that um cuz you know most people whether they're sport climbers or anything else especially early on it's a, it's scary to fall and it's mm. scary to, to to even on like a sport climb yeah. but then we move into into these these long hard scary routes is that just something you felt like maybe you were born with or yeah, is it I something think, you've dealt with no i think there're two points it's a little bit inborn like born mm-hmm. and then it's also the way you start to climbing that's really important but i have to mention that I think my level of fearness is a lot higher than on other people. For example, the last summer I tried uh with Cedric together we tried a route called Orbayu and it's just the way we're thinking while we're climbing is really different. For example, while he's climbing and I mean, he he's one really of the strongest climber in the world. He's climbing for example in a 7A and there are two bolts. He is always thinking about fuck if i fall i will die. And me if i'm climbing like in the 7A it's like i will not fall it's 7A you right. know. And this is completely different so i can just i don't think about falling. Because i know i have the level but then i'm not stupid i mean i will not climb into an in an 8B plus super like super scared and super dangerous if i would not have like the level like a really good level so there is always a little bit of a handling about what's stupid and what's just the reality i mean 7A i can climb it with closed eyes you know and he he can climb it like when he while he is sleeping you know sure. but it's just he always thinks about falling or the worst case you know like a stone could fall or i could slip or whatever you know you never know and mm-hmm. me I, all those those thoughts they don't traverse my mind right and, and yet, that's a different yeah and yet he's able to do it anyway 
Yeah, sure, right? sure. And, and maybe he, those thoughts would like create panic in you. He's just you, freaked out. I yeah. mean, Urbayu, like the lost pitches were like seven B. Like there was like no more protection. You just had put on like pitons and whatever. And he was super scared. And then he reached the top and I was falling. He was like, wow, hey, it was super exposure and whatever. I'm, I mean, wow, I was freaked out. And I was like, Cedric, it's 6B, you know? And he's like, hey, come on. Right. <laughs> You're just like, come on, man, like, relax. Yeah. <laughs> That's not very nice. That's <laughs> just the difference. And yeah. I think it's a little bit born with us, right. this kind of... Yeah, I mean, the thoughts are going through your mind while you're climbing. This is kind right. of, I don't know, it's just personally. Thing. Sometimes, yeah, you just don't yeah. get to choose the way your mind works. Yeah, but definitely the, the, the fact that I grew up in the Reticon, surrounded by mountains, did a lot of, a lot of mountaineerings, like a lot of arets and all this stuff. It helps that you just learn to keep cool and you learn the rule, don't fall. And he grew up in the gym and yeah, it's, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, I think we're about done. That, uh, I really appreciate you sitting down. And, and uh, it's been just, uh, I mean, just sitting and talking to you has been really inspiring because, you know, I grew up with, in terms of climbing, I didn't grow up in a valley in Switzerland. I grew up in a suburb. But once I did start climbing, you know, these same values for me are really important. And, you know, I just love the fact that you, you're able to switch gears and be a sport climber and be mm. a big mountain climber. And, and, and do you ever see yourself you know, becoming even a bigger mountain climber in terms of if rock climbing versus alpinism or, you know, Patagonia style kind of rock climbing. Is that, I mean, you have been to Patagonia. Yeah, so. yeah I've been. Well, the, the main factor for me, it's like it has to be in the element of rock. Okay. I don't like ice. No, me neither. And snow is okay, but, you know, I just like the touching with the rock. Mm -hmm. So it can be like the most craziest routes like in the mountains, but I love to touch rock yeah i will never ever do in my life i think an right. eight thousand right meter like mountain is just sounds miserable sounds like a lot of suffering yeah exactly <laughs> so, cool but it's not that i have something against yeah, it's yeah. just rock is my yeah, yeah. element okay yeah and well, i mean yeah we'll see life is just like a surprise every day and i don't know where it will takes me but i'm just Actually, I'm super excited every day because I don't know what will happen. It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for mm -hmm. sitting down, Nina. It's been thank a you. great pleasure. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Let's all be safe out there and climb with both values and valor. And of course, don't forget to check your knot. Beep.